worship you. We thank you for how good you have been to us. Speak to us. May none of us leave the same in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I was saying, this is our month of faith. And we've been hearing about faith. Hallelujah. Starting from uh, last Sunday. But we also began to talk about four spiritual appointments last week, Wednesday. And we want to finish it. But before then... Why is faith so powerful? Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, like we're just reading. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Then verse 5 says, For who is it that overcometh the world? Or who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ, or Jesus is the Son of God. So, it is very, very clear that faith is what would give you and I the victory over every single circumstance, okay. over every single crisis, over every single battle. It is faith that is going to give us victory over the world. Hallelujah. And the world meaning everything wrong, everything dark, everything evil, everything you and I do not want to know about. Hallelujah. So now we're going to uh, continue and finish with our message we're hearing last week on the four spiritual appointments. Amen. The four spiritual Amen. appointments. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now we read this from Luke chapter 14 verse 26. So let's start from Luke chapter 14 verse 26. We're going to have a quick recap. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Hallelujah. So last week we began to, we explained it using the concordance and went into detail as to what that word hate means. So let me repeat the verse again. If any man come to me and hate not, now that word hate not, when we read it, we realized that the word hate is in comparison to our love for God, it looks like it is hate. So for example, let's assume the maximum love a person is supposed to have for their wife, their husband, or uh, their, their child, or their parent, or their sibling, or even themselves. The maximum, let's take it that it is a million. A million. So God expects you and I to love each other the million. Hallelujah. Or up to the point of a million. Can you get what I'm saying? So that one is God's acceptable thing, meaning that we love each other to the highest level. Now, in, now God expects us to love him maybe 10 trillion. So 10 trillion compared to a million is almost infinitely uh, 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 different. What am I saying? I'm saying that those who are zero to one million are for you and I as human beings. That is the best we can do for a human being or ourselves. Somebody can get what I'm saying. But when you compare 1 million to 10 trillion, the 1 million and zero can be bucketed in the same bucket or put in the same bucket. Because zero to 1 million compared to 10 trillion, is almost, 1 million is almost zero. So God is saying that you and I should love him so much in comparison to those we love that it will almost look like hate. Because loving God in comparison to my spouse, loving God in comparison to my child, 
Loving God in comparison to my, my, my sibling or my parent should be so high that it is almost like hate when you compare it or loathing when you compare it to God. And Jesus said, if we cannot do that, we cannot be his disciple. So it means that it shouldn't be that there should be anyone who is a Christian, at least according to Jesus, who loves their family or love themselves so much that they are not willing to do what God wants them to do. Can I have an amen? And that's why Jesus made it clear. To follow Jesus is not easy. Living for Jesus isn't easy. So you and I should not believe anything that anyone says on the contrary. Because you hear many people who say, look, our lives are just to enjoy now. Let's enjoy our lives. Yes, we are to enjoy our lives so long as it doesn't clash with what God's will is for our lives. Can I have an amen? So we went into a lot of that. I, I encourage you to just go to last week Wednesdays. So now we started to talk about the four spiritual appointments. Now Jesus will not lower his standards for anyone. Hallelujah. Now the first appointment that God wants to share with us, which we talked about last week, was losing the, the, the appointment to lose. The appointment to lose something. Hallelujah. The appointment with loss and to lose something. Amen. And we, we read this from Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Matthew 16, 25. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So Jesus is telling us that, for you and I to be his disciples, that one of the appointments that you and I must have is the appointment to lose and the appointment of losing. So Jesus is saying that if we want to save our lives, we must lose it for him. Can I have an amen? It means that the appointment with Jesus Christ must be uh, uh, something we must be willing to, 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 we must be willing to lose something. We must be willing to lose sleep. We must be willing to lose uh, our comfort. We must be willing to lose uh, uh, bad friends. The Bible says, do not be deceived, for evil communication corrupts good manners. Hallelujah. So you and I must also lose good friends. Hallelujah. Which were good friends to us who are now toxic friends. Can I have an amen? And I believe that... If you look at 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. So, so you lose good friends. Sometimes you lose money. Maybe it's a job and that job is now causing you or, or, or that your boss now wants you to do something that is illegal. Or you are now going to work. Maybe, maybe the job is, you are going to, you've applied for a job and the job is giving you a lot of money and they are now telling you that, look, Everyone now has to sell liquor and has to sell cigarettes. Hallelujah. Now you decide, am I going to get the extra bonus? Maybe selling liquor would double your salary. What are the Christians going to do if you have to choose between doubling your salary and, and, and helping people to get drunk? Am I preaching to somebody? What are we willing to lose because of Jesus Christ? What are you and I willing to lose for the gospel? That is an appointment that you and I must keep. Can I have an amen? 
Very, very yeah. important. And then we read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Let's turn to Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Well, yeah, let's just read from verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So, there are certain things that are gained for you and I physically. Gained for our enjoyment. Gained uh, gain for our enjoyment. Gained for our livelihood. Gained for our financial success. But are lost for Christ. Because there are certain jobs or certain things you and I can do which are not like evil per se. They are lawful, but they are not helpful. And they can cause someone to stumble. Hallelujah. So, for what things were gained to me, those I considered or counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or toilet that I may win Christ. There was a time that a Christian, when the Christian, when you see a Christian, you are seeing someone who is prepared to sacrifice all out for Jesus. When you, there was a time that when you see a Christian person, this is a Christian, this person who is a Christian is someone who ha, doesn't care about life, but cares about Jesus. And because they care about Jesus, Jesus gives them the abundant life. Can I have an amen? Because when we try to save our lives, when we try to, to, to gain, grasp, we, when we are trying to get things in this life at the expense of our calling, then Christ's kingdom is losing out. So you and I must have the mindset that, look, whatever the cost, I'm prepared to lose for the excellency of Jesus Christ. And anything that is gained to me, but lost for the kingdom of God, I consider it toilet, dung. Hallelujah. How many Christians would consider uh, uh, working in the bar to get maybe $100,000 a year? Uh, uh, wouldn't they say that, well, this is, this is the day that the Lord has made. They'll start to rewrite scriptures. What do you think? Verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteous. Sorry, that is, uh, for, but, that which is of the, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Meaning that I am not justified because of what I do. I am not justified because I am a good person. Actually, Hell thrives on good people. Hell thrives on good people. Hell loves good people. Because no one will go to heaven because they are good. But you and I will go to heaven because we have faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as God manifested in the flesh, that he died on the cross for our sins, his blood was shed for our sins, and God raised him from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. That is the faith that gives us righteousness, therefore to have right standing with God. I don't know what I'm preaching to somebody. Then verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How many want to know him and the power of his resurrection? 
Sometimes when you have church service and you want uh, maybe the power of God is moving or God is not finished working and it's maybe two and a half hours of service. We are supposed to finish service at two, but maybe service has extended to, uh, to three hours. Then people will be looking at their times, Christian people, looking at their time. Ah, this church, this church, I'm in a hurry. I need to get out. I need to get out. Now, let me ask you a question. If it was Super Bowl for the guys or the women, you are doing your hair. Oh, that's a, an uppercut to some folk here. If you are doing your hair, how long does it take for a woman to do a hair? But that one is not inconvenient. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ or, or, or God moving in, in a service, so you see that many people, they, they, they don't want to know the power of his resurrection. But, and they don't want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Some will want to know the power of his resurrection because they want miracles. Because miracle power is the power of his resurrection. But what about the fellowship of his sufferings? What about being made conformable to, unto his death? You can have two seminars. One seminar, get rich seminar. Person A, Pastor A is doing a seminar, get rich seminar. Pastor B is doing a seminar to know God. Keys to knowing God. That's one. Person A is keys to successful living. Person B is keys to knowing God. Person B service will be very, very small. Very few people in person B service. Person A service will be packed to capacity. Why? Because the saints of today are interested in what God can give them versus God himself. What a message I'm preaching to somebody here. What do you think? Let me show you a verse as to Christ and why he chose disciples like you and I. Are we... Oh, no. yes, sorry, Mark. Mark chapter 1. Am I preaching to somebody? Very, very important. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Let's start from 13. And he goeth up into the mountain a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would and they came unto him verse 14 and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach so when jesus calls people he calls people to first be with him be with him how companion walking with him now how do we walk with god we walk with him but in the light of his word so Jesus Christ has called you and I to walk with him in the word of God and to speak to him and to have fellowship with him. Hallelujah. We need fellowship with Jesus Christ and then anything else. What is the whole duty of man? To fear God and to keep his commandments. What are the greatest commandments? Love God and then love your neighbor. That is the, the greatest commandment to love God. Hallelujah. So we talked about that last week. Amen. Amen. Now, the next thing we talked about was the second appointment that we have with God, which is our appointment with suffering. Hallelujah. My appointment with suffering, your appointment with suffering. 
You and I as Christians, we are called to suffer and not to have a luxurious life only. That's why Jesus said that there is no one who has lost father, mother, brother, sister, and all these things for my sake and the Gospels who will not in this life gain many more with persecutions. Hallelujah. With persecutions. Amen. I don't know that I'm preaching to somebody. This verse is very, very important. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, For unto you. Now, if the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 that for unto you, some Christians will say, no, this is not for me. Then the whole of the blessings of Philippians, you can say it's also not for you. Why should one part of Philippians be for you and another part How can one part of Philippians be for you and I? Uh, 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 let me give you some examples. Look at... Hallelujah. Let me see whether I'm having technical difficulties. Sorry, just a second. Hallelujah. How many are getting me so far? So, so, so let me give you Philippians 1 5 says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That one is for you and I, ain't it? Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That one is for you and I. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. All these verses, blessed verses, uh, a gift to abound to your account, so many verses. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but, uh, uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth knowledge, shall keep your minds your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. If that's for you, then Philippians 1.29 is for you also. The, uh, Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, what things, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on such things. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If these are for you, then why should Philippians 1.29 not be for you? Then that's hypocrisy. Philippians 1.29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So we are either hypocrites who are playing with God and, and choosing. You see, when God sees that you are choosing scriptures for your own good, he won't even mind you. You and I have to choose scriptures that are working for us and for the gospel. Everything. The good, someone will say the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hallelujah. But I will say the, the comfortable and the uncomfortable. For unto you, it is given on the behalf of Christ, 
not only to believe like we all believe, but also to suffer for his sake. So the question is, are you and I prepared to suffer for his sake? The second appointment, which is the appointment with suffering. Look at Romans 8, 17. These are all recaps and then we'll just quickly dive in and conclude this series. And we can move on to faith. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 17. Very important. In fact, let's start from 16. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified with him. So Jesus is saying that, or the Bible is saying that, if you and I want to reign with Jesus, if you and I want to reign and be joint heirs with Jesus, we must be prepared to suffer for him and with him. Can I have an amen? Are we prepared to suffer for Jesus? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. So the Christians of today have forgotten the message of sacrifice. But without sacrifice, there is no power. Sacrifice releases power. Am I saying something to somebody? Sacrifice releases the power of God. Amen. Now, we're reading 2 Timothy 2.12. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. This is the gospel. Now, suffering does not mean I'm getting sick, I'm dying, or there are diseases, and you are, you are, you are accepting it. Okay, I'm suffering for Christ. No, 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 no. It, you see, the suffering for, suffering for Christ means that I am prepared to be inconvenienced. I am prepared to go the extra mile. I am prepared to lose certain things. I am prepared to be tied and to be spent for the gospel. I am prepared to be a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am prepared to leave my job to go to the mission field and to preach the gospel. Th that is the suffering we are talking about. But whoever said that when people suffer, su suffer for Christ, God, Christ doesn't bless them. Many people are afraid to give up certain things for Jesus. But think about it. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous. I said God is not unrighteous. God, we said, the God we said is not unrighteous. To forget, to forget, what am I saying? To forget our work, our labor of love which we have shown towards his name, in that we are ministering to the saints and we continue to minister to them. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there are many Christians who must realize that anything we do for God, when we suffer for Christ, Christ would reward us. He will not forget what we are doing because God says that to forget means you are being unrighteous. And God is the righteous judge. So anything you and I do for God, anything we lose for God, God will remember it in this lifetime. I said what? In this lifetime. I said what? In this lifetime. God will reward us in this lifetime and in the life to come. What a blessing. 
But there are many Christians who say, let me get, 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 get. Now, look. Let's look around. Look at our fathers. Look at our mothers. Look at our aunties. Look at our uncles. Look around. Those who had money, where did the money take them? Those who didn't have money, they searched for money. They sought after money. Some even got the money but are miserable in life. The blessings of the Lord, they make rich and added no souls. When God is giving you and I some blessings, he's giving us the blessings which would make us rich. Rich in what? What? Rich in life. Rich in good things. Rich in favor. Rich in blessings. Rich in every good thing. Oh, glory to God. He maketh rich and addeth no sorrows. But the, 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 in quote, blessings or the riches of this world have sorrows attached to them. The riches of this world have sorrows attached to them. So you and I must remember that suffering for Christ is only a privilege. Now, the, the, uh, 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 there was a man of God who wrote a book and said that in heaven, the, the, the Jesus, the reason why, if you look at Revelation, Jesus' uh, uh, nail prints are still in his hands in Revelation, are because the sufferings and the things we've been through for Christ will be our medals in heaven. What have you been through? What have you survived? He, Philippians 1.29 says, it is important to not only believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. Let's turn, let, let, let's look at something in James. James chapter 2. I'll start from verse 14. Very important. Now, James chapter 2, I'm mixing it with some faith. faith. Very important. But, for, uh, uh, but this is very, very important. Now, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I'll let you see something very important. Now, the one who has faith in Christ, true saving faith, is prepared to sacrifice for him. Now, James 2.14 says, What doth it profit my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? The NLT or NESB will say it this way. What doth it profit my brethren? Though a man says, or even if a man says he has faith and hath not works, can that faith save him? Can that faith save him? There's a difference between faith without works and the, the, you see, faith without works is different from faith demonstrated by works. And you will see that Jesus Christ, when he was healing people in a the house, there was a paralytic who was being lowered. So they broke the roof. And the paralytic was being lowered down. What did Jesus say? And the Bible say, and Jesus seeing their faith, faith can be seen. Jesus seeing their faith said unto him, thy sins are forgiven thee. So what am I saying? I'm saying that true saving faith can be seen. Faith without works. We'll read that. Let's continue. Verse 15. If a, man, a brother or sister be naked, and destitute of daily food. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding. Ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? If, you, if someone is, is, is starving, 
and you see you are in church and you maybe you have some uh, food and you see the person and you and the person says i'm starving and then you just throw a prayer to the person and you pray in tongues and that's it and you don't help them what it's not you've not done anything for them even so faith if it hath not works is dead being alone this is very important so it means that you might say you have faith or i might say i have faith but if i don't have any corresponding action to back the faith i say i have i'm proving that my faith is false faith and dead faith now god does not justify by works because by works shall no flesh be justified for it is evident that the just shall live That's by right. faith but nevertheless what kind of faith are we talking about faith that is prepared to lose to suffer to sacrifice hallelujah now let's continue so what the bible is saying is that if there is faith and it does not have corresponding action to back that faith that faith is dead verse 18 yea a man may say thou hast faith and i have works check this out show me thy faith without thy works and i will show thee my faith by my works show me of you say you have faith show it to me the faith has not changed you you are smoking you are still smoking you are fornicating you are still fornicating you are clapping you are still clapping you are cursing and you are not even making the attempt to stop cursing or cursing or whatever you are however you want to put it you, I'm, I'm talking about the attempt to stop you are not even making the effort it's not bothering you 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 in the past you didn't know anything about god you are not seeking to seek for god you are not searching for god you you are not prepared to lose anything for god what is the model of the church not what the tv says the model of the church is acts of the apostles now acts of the apostles they proved what they believed by their action so people are not prepared to do what they do is they add christianity to their old lives but adding christianity to my old life and your old life is not faith so apostle J james the brother of jesus is saying that look show me you say you have faith okay that faith you've not done anything but what's the difference between you when you didn't know jesus and you now when you know jesus what is the difference even church you don't go to just like i was i only went to church when i was an unbeliever i only went to church 31st night to pray to pray for god to protect me and then go to the club from the from church but there are even unbelievers now that even 31st night don't go now if i'm a christian is it the same is there a change or it's um, what's the difference if i'm not a christian so james is saying yeah a man may say thou hast faith no yeah a man may say thou hast faith and i have works show me thy faith without thy works or thy losing or their, your sacrifice or your suffering show me your faith without your works and i will show thee my faith by my works then he goes on. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Believing that there is God has done nothing for anybody. Believing that there is God does not do anything, it doesn't even save you. Believing that there is a God. 
there is a difference between believing there is a God and believing that Jesus is the Christ. When someone talks God, 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 and I don't hear the name Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Who, who are you talking about? The name Jesus Christ might be tied to it. Otherwise, I don't want to know it. So, you believe there is a God. Look at what James is saying. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. So, believing there is a God did not save the demons. And it will not save any human being by believing there is a God. But believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He died for our sins and He rose from the dead, that is what saves you and I. But any person who truly believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he believes that Jesus Christ shed his blood for our sins, believes that Jesus Christ died and was buried, believes that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Any person who believes it would prove it by what they do. Let's continue. But will thou, O vain man, but will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Meaning that Abraham proved, God said, sacrifice your son. Now, how do I know that I truly have faith? I have faith because I am doing what God said I should do. That is faith. So the Bible is saying that Abraham proved his faith and made his faith perfect by offering his son Isaac upon the altar. That proved that he had faith. And that's where God said, "You, I, I now know that you fear God and you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And then the blessings came. Can I have an amen? Let's continue. Seeing thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness or it was credited to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. But remember he's not saying that we are justified by works without faith. He's saying that we are justified by faith if it can be proved by what we do. A person might not have faith, but might be serving in the church, but might be sacrificing. That is not taking them to heaven. But someone who says they have faith, and because of their faith, they are acting out what the Bible says, has proved to God that they have faith in him. And seeing then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works. So it's now explaining what you mean by works. When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Now many people get confused with Rahab. When you read Hebrews 11. We'll go into it when you're talking about faith. When you read Hebrews 11. And you read James chapter 2. Now, what happened was Rahab the harlot heard about the God of Israel, that he was conquering, he was great, I mean, he's great and all that stuff. Now, she heard that there were spies being sent and the soldiers were trying to capture the spies to kill them. Now, when the spies knocked on her door and she realized that these were the, God, the people from the God of Israel, she had believed God. That No wonder that she is, uh, 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 Jesus is a descendant of Rahab and David the king, the prostitute, Jesus. 
Now, so she saw the spice. Now, when she there was a knock on the door, she hid the spice and sent them another way. So she was justified by faith. Then she lied and sinned, and God has never said that her lie was good. You will find this in the Bible. But what you find in the Bible is that her justification was because she believed God and hid the spice. Similar to Abraham or you and I. You and I are Christians. And how many of you on the call or on Facebook, you are not supposed to lie because a lying is sin and the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. But how many of you are justified, heaven bound and have lied uh, uh, the last, uh, within the last month? Did God give you a thumbs up for lying? No. But in heaven, hasn't God justified you and I already and written our names in heaven, the book of life, that we are justified by faith in Christ? So Rahab was justified by faith, like the Bible says, because she sent the messengers another way, not because she lied. Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. What does it mean? It means that when a person dies, George Floyd, thank God that justice is being saved. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me not use him as an example. It's a very painful situation. But let's take it that uh, uh, my grandma, I'll use my grandmother. My grandmother, when she died, from, it's clear that her spirit left her body and went up to be with the Lord. So the body without the spirit is what we call death. Actually, death is, means that your spirit has left your body. That's what it means. Permanently, and the silver cord has been broken, according to uh, 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 Ecclesiastes. That that is death. Death is when the spirit has permanently left the body. And I said permanently because of all the different crazy astral projection, all the things going on. Hallelujah! But the spirit permanently leaving the body. So the Bible is saying that in the same way, the body without the spirit is dead. Faith without works is dead also. So, I think without a doubt, it is very clear that you and I must remember that serving God, the appointment with God must also include suffering for Christ and sacrificing. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 to 5. And let's wrap this up. What do you think? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 to 5. But I think we're ready. Let's, let's move on for time's sake. The next is our appointment with sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Now, Pastor Alon, you can if you can get it on the in the amplified version, that would be awesome. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Very, very, very important. You see, what's the point of, I mean, what's the point of trying to seek after finances and money and wealth and not getting it and not being rich towards God versus seeking after God and getting it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things we are looking for will be added unto us. You see, I, 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 
I, I believe that God is now looking for people who are ready to give up everything for him. But trust me, even though the people are prepared to give up everything for him, God wants to also give us all good things to enjoy. Jesus Christ said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Even if, even if it is to sacrifice and die sacrificing and losing everything, so be it. After all, how many years can you enjoy the money you have? 100 years, you still die. 200 years, we will still die. Versus perpetuity, eternity, infinity. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now let's look at it in the Amplified Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Now, to dedicate your body means that if God wants you to get up and to pray for someone, you are getting up. If God wants you to join the flow prayer service, you are joining it. If God wants you to get up and do something, you do it. Hey, I remember if I didn't have people in church too who were serious. See, let me finish reading this and I'll tell you. And to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Now, a sacrifice is lost to you, but alive to Christ. Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, all our members and faculties. Now, this is very important. I remember there was a time in church. I hadn't, met, uh, I hadn't seen a lady in a long time, many years, four or five years. This was in Minneapolis, and at 3 a.m. she called me and said that her daughter is possessed with devils and I have to come to church to meet her because the devil needs to, be, needs to be cast out of the girl. I said, what? At this time? Let's do it tomorrow, God willing. She begged me, said, no, I can't. I don't know. She begged me. I said, no, I cannot. What? But she insisted and I was in bed. I was going to work the next day in the morning. Then I said to myself, I'm on my own. I'm for Christ. So I said, okay, I'm going. But I will not go by myself. So then I needed to find out whether there were people in church who were willing to sacrifice. I wanted to make sure that when I called someone, oh, John X, I, I want you to come. I'm, I'm going to church. X has called me and we, need, we are going to cast out the devil. Can you come with me to church? Yes, drive. I know you are in bed with your wife and kids. Can you come to church? I didn't want a situation where the person would say, Ah, wow, he can't wait for tomorrow. Ah, ah. okay, I'll feel bad. So I, I, I didn't want such a person. Oh, please come. Oh, really? Huh, the time, three o'clock. Hmm. Okay, I didn't want that. So I called two people. And I said, Maxwell, there is a demonic thing. We have to go and cast out the devil. Are you willing to go? Because I can't go myself. He said, 
I'm on my way. Magdalene, I'm about to go and cast out the devil. Are you willing to go? Pastor David, you see me, I might get there before you. <laughs> that, that's what we are talking about. Hallelujah. But today, how many Christians, you see, that's what we are talking about, the sacrifice. How many Christians are prepared to do that? A living sacrifice. It means that so far as I am concerned, I am not in control of my life. Because I have been purchased with a price. And I must glorify God with my body and my spirit, which are his. You see, this is true Christianity, which has been watered down. You see, that's why you all know I told you all to pray. I can't stop saying this, giving this example. I was going to have a crusade somewhere. And there were armed people who were looking to kill the, the people who were going for the crusade. They said that there will be bloodshed. They said fire for fire. They said, look, we are going to gun you down if you go. Then I spoke to some people and some pastor said, you know what, David, maybe you should... Uh, uh, you should can, uh, cancel it. I said, how? How can I cancel it? What did Jesus tell me? You say, oh, you are trying to save your life. I remember Paul Bishop also said, you are trying to save your life. God will tell me. When there are souls there, thank you, I've heard. I don't want, I don't want to, to do that. I want to sacrifice. If I, if, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. No problem. At least, the, well, as soon as I get there, I'll see light and angels will bow the knee in welcoming me. But thank God, he's not going to let you just die like that. Even if you have to die, why not? At least it was a glorious dying. What a way to die like my grandfather who was preaching, very old, he was preaching. In fact, he was about to die and then God gave him some more years. And then he was, he's preached and give the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up. That was it. What a way to die. I pray that that will be my story. And your story at age 98, Amen. 99. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. But if you think about it, what do Christians sacrifice for most of the time? Of course, you see, the things I'm about to list are things that I sacrifice for and every Christian should sacrifice for. You have to sacrifice for your family, your spouse, your children, your job. Well, as for my job there, I mean, I, I didn't play, I sacrificed for it and I'm sure many of us sacrificed for it. I sacrificed a lot for my job. I can say it confidently everywhere because... It's, it's clear. <clears throat> and you also sacrifice for your job. So we need to do that. But what also about sacrificing for Jesus? Where is he in our sacrifice? Which place have we given Jesus in our life of sacrifice? Where is he in it? Where? The one who proved his love by, by giving us the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice was paid on Calvary once and for all with the blood of Jesus Christ, his own life. 
what more can he do? That is why it is a reasonable sacrifice that God is requiring from us. And after all, we are his. We are created for his pleasure. Hallelujah. Amen. To sacrifice is a blessing. That's why the Bible makes it clear that you see, when we sacrifice for God, he will reward us. To sacrifice for God is to tell God that, look, in view of your mercies and what you have done for me, it is only reasonable, it is only a reasonable thing I can do. To just prove that I appreciate what you did, it is only reasonable for me to sacrifice. Only reasonable. How many can see that the messages we hear are gimme, gimme, gimme? But even Jesus said, when you read, I, I won't read it late now, but when you go into what our master and savior Jesus said, when you read Matthew chapter 6, before verse 33, you realize that he said that don't seek after these things because it is the Gentiles that are seeking after them. Don't worry. Don't, 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 you see, don't worry, but seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and the other things will be added. Then he said that be careful of those who say that uh, uh, coming to church is a means of getting money or becoming rich. Beware of those people. So many pastors have to rearrange their message. Bible says it. Pastor Alan, you can get that verse for me. The Bible, the Bible says it. That be careful. And the Bible also says that the time has come that people would have itchy ears and be, be, will not want to hear the truth. But it has come. Who wants to hear the truth? This thing I'm preaching, who wants to hear it? You want to hear how to get money? How am I going to get money? Where is the car? Where is the house? Yeah, so, uh, okay, very good. So, <clears throat> okay, Matthew 6, 20. Let's continue. It, uh, uh, I want to get to where it says that the Gentiles are seeking for this. But seek here, I think it's verse 30. Okay. Yes. Verse 30. Matthew verse 6. 32. 32. Okay. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Where does it say ye of little faith? Or, or is little faith? It's, it, okay, let's start from verse 30. Verse, okay, let's start 30. from verse 30. Matthew 6. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, he, shall he not much more clothe you, all ye of little faith? Now, check this out. God is saying that the people who are aiming and their whole aim is to get material things are of little faith. But you check it out. When you listen to Christians and you ask many Christians, they will tell you that this is the higher level faith. According to who? The pastor, is he higher than the Bible? Is he higher than Jesus? I'll take what Jesus says about what the pastor says or what I have to say. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? 
or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek or the unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Meaning that don't have, you see, I preach on fugacity, I preach on Davidic success, I preach on Solomonic success because we must be rich, we must be wealthy. But that is not the gospel. It is a lie from the devil. No matter the pastor. Let's go to verse 33. But seek. So don't be focusing on those things. Pray about it. Get some few seminars on it. But the most important way of getting it is to seek first. But seek proton. Seek ye proton. Seek ye first. First ranking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Meaning that sometimes you don't even need to pray for them. They will come. Am I preaching to somebody? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm finishing this. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start from verse 1. I charge thee therefore. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Apostle Paul was writing a letter and was writing. Now this is to pastors. Because he's writing to Timothy and charging Timothy himself. And there are certain things that are for the church. <clears throat> but this is to Timothy and to in all of us. But he's writing to Tim Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is the last days. People are not enduring sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, shall they heap up or heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. You come and see some Christians who will come and that I'll have discussions with them and they'll be telling me fables about that the kingdom of God, everything that we should focus on is discipleship and uh, what Christian living. That's one aspect of Christianity. That's a, that, that, that's a fable. That, there's more to Christianity than Christian living. And how to get money, how to com be comfortable, how to... We have all those things. But that is not the gospel. Are you understanding what I'm saying? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. <clears throat> so you realize that most promises in the Bible have conditions. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every time that shall rise up against thee in judgment, that shall condemn. Most pastors leave it there. But finish that statement because it's not even the next verse. It's continuing. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So it's, it's almost like a fable if you don't tell. You see, what's the point of telling me that no weapon that is formed against me will prosper? And every time that rises up against me in judgment, I'll condemn if you don't tell me how to get there. Or those who qualify for it. Am I preaching to somebody? 
Or, for example, for all things work together for good. To them that love God. So, so many people say all things work together for good. True. But, you see, it is for those who love God. It is also for those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, as I'm preaching, I'm sure many of us, honestly speaking, are fitting into loving God called according to his purpose. But those who it's fitting into, like myself, I'm provoking myself and provoking you to, to be encouraged to continue to sacrifice, continue to suffer for Christ, continue to lose. That is it. And for those who are having the fable-like Christianity or the watered-down Christianity, I'm provoking you, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to do what you need to do. Yes, the money is there. Yes, the car is there. Yes, the house is there. But what about the gospel? Hallelujah. What do you think? What about the gospel? So you see, so I, 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 I pray that look look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And then I'll I'll end it with the last point. You see, sacrifice releases power. Every person in the Bible that we pastors and you Christians and we Christians, all of us read about. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, the ones who were rich, the blessings of Abraham that we want, all of them needed to sacrifice. There was a sacrifice all of them needed to make. David, Joseph, Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, the sacrifice and the, the suffering he had to go through in the lion's den for the gospel. David, all these things. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So every person who did well in the Bible, the ones we hear about in our preaching uh, or in the preaching, all these people sacrificed, suffered for the gospel and lost things for the gospel. What do you think? Now, Hebrews 13, 15, as we close. But by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him, to his name. But to do good, and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. This is very important. So there is the sacrifice of praise. But let's finish it because it, the but means that the sentence is not complete. Because when it is, this is a letter. So there were no verse 15, verse 16, chapter this. That was not in the Bible. But it's to make, it's to make it easy for us for reference. So, when you are reading the Bible, it says that we must offer to God the sacrifice of praise continually, which is the fruit of our lips, lips giving thanks to his name, remembering that we must not, not forget to do good. 
And when we add them all together, that is well-pleasing. Not the one before the other, but adding them together is what makes it well-pleasing to God. Look at verse 21, uh, uh, verse 20 to 21. Now, this is a very good prayer topic. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Making you perfect in every good work. So it's a prayer topic that I usually pray about that. God, by your grace, Lord, make me perfect in every good work. To do your will, to fulfill your will for my life. Hallelujah. Amen. And then finally, the appointment of dying. The appointment of dying. Now someone would think, going to die physically. You are talking about the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. To die means to cease to exist and to function. To die means to lose strength and to lose force. To die means to pass gradually or fade away gradually. Now this dying is, uh, the Christian way is a bit different from what you and I would think. To die means to be stopped permanently. Galatians 2.20. Just two verses and we close. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. That's the dying. Die to self. David Saki is dead, but Christ is now living. No, see, David Saki is dead, but the David Saki talking is not the old David Saki. That old David Saki died, but the new David Saki is living because Christ is living through him. That, 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 that is what Amen. we're talking about. I am crucified with Christ. Amen. Nevertheless, I live it. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. Hallelujah. But uh, let's read it again. It even goes deeper. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So I am crucified, but it is a painful, slow, agonizing death, crucifixion. When you and I have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, it is painful. When you and I need to forgive people we don't want to forgive, love people we don't want to love. When you and I need, when, when you and I are sacrificing and suffering for Jesus, it is not easy. It's like a crucifixion. You, you are killing your desires, your earthly desires, by doing more for Christ. And therefore, Christ also blessing you. Remember that. But I am crucified with Christ, even though I'm crucified and I died. Nevertheless, I am alive. Nevertheless, I am still alive. Yet, I am not alive. But it is Christ who is living in me. And the life which I am now living in the body, I am living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate it. For if righteousness is by the Lord, then Christ is dead in, in vain. So what am I saying as I close and finish this? I'm saying that you and I, the appointment of dying to self. Jesus said, except a corn of wheat. Wow, it's past. Okay. Except a corn of wheat 
falls to the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But when it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. So when you and I are dead and someone insults you or someone does something to you, it's not going to affect you. Pride, you see, pride is dead when we die to self. I, mean, I don't want That's to get right. into it because of my time is that. But we must die to self. We must, we must remember that we are dead. The old nature is dead. And there is a new nature. And that new nature is the nature Christ put in me. Brand new David. And this brand new David, Christ is living in the brand new David. And David is now living in faith in the Son of God who, who died and gave himself for me. Therefore, I am not my own because I have been bought with a price. Like the Bible says in Corinthians, therefore we must glorify God with our bodies and our spirits, which are his. If you are dead to self, if you and I are crucified with Christ, why can't Christ do anything with us? If I'm crucified with Christ, why can't Christ give money to a, a homeless person through me? If Christ is, 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 is living in me and I'm dead to self, why can't I suffer to do something for the gospel? Why can't I sponsor the gospel? Why can't I go on missions? Why can't I even go and volunteer out there for crusade? Why can't I go to the shelter? Why can't I call someone? Why can't I join the prayer? Why can't I become a shepherd? Why can't I do it if it is Christ who is living in me and I'm no longer living? The Christian is the person who is dead to self, who is now a new creature. For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You don't need to turn to it. And behold, all things are becoming new. Ladies and gentlemen, very, very important. This is my message on the four appointments. Loss, losing, suffering, sacrificing, and dying. But the thing that is important about this is that it is my choice and your choice. We can, you see, many Christians choose to accept the appointments or reject the appointments. It's not forced. So every Christian has the will. That's why Romans 12, 1 says that make a decisive decision, a decisive dedication of our bodies. So it is a choice that every Christian must make. Now, you make your choice, just like Joshua you make your choice, I make my choice. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father God, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the appointments that you have given to us. To lose for Jesus. To suffer for Jesus. To sacrifice for Jesus. And to die to serve for Jesus. Father God, we pray that you give us the grace to live for you. Give us the grace. Let's just speak to God. Give us the grace to, to, to honor you. Give us the grace to do good. Give us the grace to please you. To be pleasing you is what we want to do. We want to please you in everything. We want to please you. We want to love you. We want to worship you. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be like you. A vessel. We want to be vessels of gold and of silver. We want to be vessels that are so special to you that you use for your glorious works. Give us more grace. Give us more favor.
touch our hearts. May we, may we die to self. May we die to this world. May we be dead and buried to the world and alive in Christ, O oh God. May we indeed be crucified with Christ Jesus. May we be crucified with him and live for him. Father God, we bless you, O oh God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Whilst we are praying, just before I let you go, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not born again and you want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I want to be born again. I want my sins forgiven. Then I want you to repeat after me. Very important. If you know that you are far away from God, you know it in your heart. And you want to say, Pastor, pray with me. Then repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Oh God, so help me, God. May I live for you. May I sacrifice for you. May I be prepared to do anything for you, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. And thank you all. I want to say God bless you, those on Facebook Live. I want to say God bless you, those uh, watching live. And I want to say that God has a good plan for you. God would make you the head and not the tail. God will make you the lender and not the borrower. God will deliver you from debt. All of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining and shalom.